0: Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay, I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was about the idea of theodicy, of the fact that things happen in our lives that are not good and that are kind of stinky, but yet God is still good in the midst of them. So how do we hold those things in tension? Uh, What are some examples from our lives? What are some examples from scripture? And what does it mean for us to believe in an all-good, all-loving God in the midst of human suffering? So let's dig into it.
1: I felt like you nailed the ending. Okay. Um, I was, our church is going through a pretty hard time. And it'd be really easy for us to just be mad and give up as a church. Sure. And I just felt like you really did a good job of of incorporating that into the sermon. Right. And my goodness, talk about fitting. Like, how does this end up here? I don't know.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, like I said at the start at the start of worship I mentioned, and this wasn't one it wasn't in the sermon, but it was in our little, you know, uh introduction to worship segment at the start of the service. Um, you know, sometimes the sense of humor of God is not very funny because like Peggy and I laid out this sermon series before, I mean, even before Christmas, we knew what our themes were and did not see this coming to light and did not see this happening and All of a sudden it aligns that the week that we go public with what's happening in the church is the week that I'm preaching on theodicy. And it's like, I don't want to make the entire sermon about it, but also it would be in poor taste to not mention.
1: Disservice for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, like there's there's bad stuff going on. And we need to name that. And this is a space for us to, you know, to, to have that moment of collective mourning. And there will be more of that to come. Um, but just to say, hey, we are in this wilderness together. And, you know, what does it mean that we're people of faith right now? Like, what does it mean that God is still good right now? What does it mean that God is still all loving right now? When we, it would be really easy. Like you said, it'd be really easy to not feel that way, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you want to mention what that bad thing is here since you didn't name it by specifics in the
0: sermon? Yeah. So basically
1: don't attend church, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. When we do have those. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. basically what's happening is that we found some, uh, fraudulent, uh, charges on our church credit card made by our previous office manager. Um, and we've had to, Uh, go through the process of pursuing criminal charges against her um, because it was the, the scale of it was just too big. um, And um, just, you know, we, we realize that accountability is a part of grace, um, you know, and that when people do the wrong things, even if they are for understandable reasons, they're still the wrong things. Um, And, you know, there, there is a justice there of, you know, of wanting to hold someone to account while still recognizing at the heart of who they are, they're still a beloved child of God. And we can in time walk alongside of them in, in, in reconciliation, but there are still consequences to our actions. And that, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't change because we're people of faith. It's not easy. No, not at all. Not at all. We'll get through it. We will. We will. Yep. Well. Yeah. So, I mean, that made it. I mean, just wrestling with the tension of how much to mention. Um, and then just also, like, not even the decision of to mention it or not, because that was when this became apparent that this is how the week was going to be unfolding. It became a no brainer that I have to, I mean, we have to name it. We have to deal with it. We have to live in the reality. And in the words of Brene of Brown, embrace the suck of being where we are. At the heart of theodicy is the reality that they're suffering in the world. At the heart of the problem, of, of at the heart of the problem of evil of why do bad things happen to good people, or why do bad things happen to faithful churches, there's still bad stuff. There's still evil stuff, and so it did unfortunately lend itself quite nicely to including it in the message.
1: Yeah, and I think the key is to not just throw up our hands. Yeah, but like you said in the past, pray and do something about it. Right, and so I think we're I think we're doing that, yeah. Um, and there are a lot of steps that we're going to have to do to take care of that in the future,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, or at definitely.
1: least pre- try to prevent it from happening again.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. And like I fully envision having that conversation on a on a larger scale. I mean, a congregational meeting and just saying, "Hey, this has been a violation of your trust, and we want to name that, and we want to hear from you all what what will restore that trust to." you know, uh, to, if that, if that becomes a necessary step, I'm, I'm prepared to enter, enter into that conversation.
1: Life okay. sucks sometimes. We just got to get but, over it. Yep. Yes. And know that it's not God, it's not God's fault.
0: Right. Like we so badly want to believe that just, you know, God, that that nothing that happens is outside of, you know, God's intentions for us. But there are things that happen that are large. I mean, that, because we live in a fallen and broken world, and because we have the free like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, because we have that free will to make choices, and choices that are apart from the from from the desire and heart of God, there are going to be things that happen that God does not like that happen. You know, like I, I remember when I, back when I was at the very tail end of high school, we had a, a, a kid in the class behind us um, complete suicide um you know and just you know looking at that and everyone's like well god had a reason and god has a will and yes that's true i still do believe that god has a will um but i do believe that there are actions that we take that are antithetical to the heart of god and then god comes in the middle of that situation and and redeems what he, what god can and uses what god can to get our attention and to and to inspire us to to more faithful living, but God didn't cause that to happen. You know, God didn't cause Thomas to end his life. God didn't cause Drew to end his life. Like there are, there are things that happen that are outside of the control of God because again, God wants that full free will response from us as people of faith. And we Mm -hmm. don't get to do that if God is going to, you know, pull the strings at the end of the day and make things happen, how God wants them to happen.
1: Yeah. So what do you say to um, something that's completely out of anyone's control, such as a disease, cancer, what brain tumor, you know, those kinds of things, right. stroke, like coach out. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is your response to that when people start blaming God about, over those things?
0: Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, that that is a valid and that, that, that's okay, you know, that it's okay in those moments to blame God. Like, if you read the book of Psalms, like, the psalmists react so much to the things of life by saying, God, this sucks, and this is stupid, and I hate this, and I kind of hate you right now. Like, I think that we have lost, I, mean, I think we may have talked about this before, but, like, I think that we have lost that language of lament, Um, Like we can express the messy thoughts of our heart before God. We can say things that are unfair in prayer and know that God still hears us and receives us and loves us in the midst of that. So I, first of all, anytime people want to start blaming God, I want to affirm that that is an okay and appropriate response to certain things. Because that is, I mean, I mentioned on Sunday, that is our natural proclivity is to want to have someone to blame. And when there's Mm -hmm. no one on earth to blame, you know, like, then that blame gets shifted. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: can't stay there, though. You know, we can't stay there. We have to trust. I mean, that's kind of bleeds into next week because we're talking about faith. Um, But that kind of bleeds into the idea of we still have to believe in God, like we still have to believe that God has, that not not a purpose, but that God has uh, the ability to to bring something good from it. Um, you know, like it's what it's what was said by Joseph at the end of the, of the scripture that we read on Sunday. What you all intended for evil, God worked for good. God used for good, and so yes, there are things that happen that are terrifying that are unfair that hurt that break our hearts and it is it's really natural to want to blame someone and someone that, that sometimes that turns into god but yet we have to realize that god can still work in the midst of it i mean mm-hmm. with, with coach out like not that god caused the stroke that brought him you know to where he is um but look at the way that you know beersford and canton have come together you know, the, to, mm-hmm. to support Coach Hout and to support one another in the midst of our, you know, in the midst of our bewilderment, and we, our, our desire to want to do something, has been stoked by that. I mean, the the the, the latest fundraiser, that during happening during the basketball games, raised something like fourteen thousand dollars you know it's inspired this wave of generosity and also just this wave of care and concern for one another and so not that that's the reason why that happened but yet look what's coming from it you know like right. everyone in our in our national memory it's 911 and then what happened on 912 you know the way that people really banded together and the way that real people really bonded and the way that people really you know uh, came back to an understanding of faith. You know, it's the the songs of the Alan Jackson song, you know? Did you go donate blood or did you dust off your Bible or did you do the things? Like those are all things that people did. Not that mm-hmm. God caused that. Not that God caused 9-11. Not that God causes any of the hurricanes that we've seen and then watched what happens next. I mean, God has to be pleased with some of the things that we have the, 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 that that has inspired in the way that people have responded. you know and so my my biggest my biggest thing is just to to, to let people in to the idea of seeing what happens next of you know, sure. this this thing that happened is bad and wrong and unjust and unfair, and we get it. but that's the reality of living in a broken world. I mean, that's that's the reality of living in a sinful world. Things are damaged and things are damaged, you know, ir- sort of irreparably. But watch how people respond. And that will be, you know, that can be incredibly powerful.
1: I mean, that's one of those questions that I've never known how to answer. Yeah. And it's not an. It's not just. It sucks to answer that question because I. It does. I think I could regurgitate everything you just said, and I don't know that the person I'm telling it to would believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: you know, if you're not ready to hear that, you can stay in that pissed off in that pissed off space, and mm-hmm. that's. You know that there's nothing that I can do about that. But then I think I mean I think that you know the biggest i don't know i think that 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 answer gives us something to hope for but mm-hmm. then over time see that yeah god really did do something through that right and that's kind of one of those retrospect things not even like hindsight but really it's that's going to take a while to see you know and that's hard for us because waiting is hard and we want you know we want things to make sense right now And sometimes things don't and we have to wait and I
1: don't
0: like it. I don't want to. Nope.
1: Not at all. You know, sometimes I think about the, the good things that happened in our life. We always, um, and, and maybe there were good things that we made the decision to do. And we ought to, you know, as Christians, we automatically thank God for putting those decisions in our path. Like with my marathon, I ran last year, ran it with a guy from work and yeah. you know, I've become real good friends since then.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't,
1: mm-hmm. there is no doubt in my mind that that marathon wasn't put in my, in front of me as a way to grow with another person.
0: Yeah, you definitely. Know, that's not my
1: wife. And he and I have, um, pretty in-depth Christian discussions mm. every week. So, I mean, it's there's just no doubt in my mind we were supposed to do that and then yeah he's the one who went through cancer this fall and winter yeah. and and all of that and it just yeah there's just no way that we weren't yeah. supposed to do that race together
0: right that's know. that's God working I mean I can't think of anything worse than having to run a marathon let's just be honest
1: you Ain't know no. but that's that's Ain't just
0: no. God working good through you know, something that was hard. It was challenging. I can't imagine how hard it must have been to stay that committed for that long. And, you know, just the people that come around us in those situations, in those instances can just make such a huge difference in who we are. I mean, and, and, mm-hmm. and how we view the world and how we view God. Yeah. Those relationships can run really deep.
1: Do you cut anything?
0: Um, yeah, I think I did cut a little bit. Um, the Joseph story, the Joseph novella that runs from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 is a mm-hmm. really, really long story. And I had, to, mm-hmm. I was wrestling with how much of the story to tell, um, you know, because it's, there's, there's a lot of detail to it and like to fully understand the depth of Joseph's hopelessness and then the ira- entire turnaround of the story as Joseph rises to power and then just like, Joseph being cheeky with his brothers because there is some stuff that happens when, before Joseph reveals himself to be who he is to his brothers at the end of the story. Like there's a whole thing where Joseph plants a cup in Benjamin's um, backpack and just says, Hey, someone stole my cup. And I really think it's just a tool with his brothers. Like there's really no reason as to why that happened other than just a younger brother. Messing with his older brothers and like getting a little bit of very non violent and you know, kind of silly comeuppance of, Hey, you guys left me, beat me up, and left me for dead, and then sold me into slavery. I'm gonna accuse Mm -hmm. one of you of stealing. And like, Mm -hmm. those aren't the same thing. Um, and like, it was revealed almost immediately what happened. Um, you know, and so there's a lot to the story that I didn't make the sermon, but um, it kind of helps us mm-hmm. get the full picture.
1: One question I had is how long from when, from when Joseph, like, okay, yeah. So it's what, 30, is it 37 to 50? Yeah. chapter three. So those 13 chapters, how long of a yep. period is that? It's pretty significant, um,
0: right? It's a pretty significant period because the, the um, I mean, the dream at the end for Pharaoh was seven years of bumper crops, and then seven years of famine. And so mm-hmm. Egypt was able to take and store up a supply for those seven years. So it's at least, you know, that's at least 14 years. And like for the famine to have gotten bad enough for the family to leave Canaan and go to Egypt, like that wasn't just right away. Like it wasn't like seven years of bumper crops, the famine starts, and then the brothers show up. Like that, there had to have been even more time in that. Um, you know right. so it could very well have been you know 20 25 years that, that mm-hmm. this story went on because you know joseph is an adult person by the time the coat thing happens and like by the by the time the story starts they're all adult human beings um, you know and so but uh, there there's really no solid indicator of time given except for mm-hmm. the 14 year the 14 year period of of joseph's leadership you know, but that's, you know, that's, it's quite a bit of time. And like part of one of the, one of the parts of the story that I didn't really realize until a few weeks ago, when a, a pastor friend of mine pointed out to me, is just like how much that would have sucked for Jacob because Joseph was his favorite son. And like, mm-hmm.
1: he's Jared anyway, continue.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Not touching that one. Not touching that one. Um, you know, and Jacob had to live for that long, believing that his favorite son was dead. And then how much that would have sucked to realize, no, he was alive this entire time. And my sons are terrible people, you know, That mm-hmm. kept... and then so their reunion at the end of the story has to be so much sweeter, um, but kind of still that bittersweet of like, what could have been, you know, and it's just, it's such an interesting part of the story to deal with and to like, dig into and like, see You know the like the depth of how much hurt there would have been that got redeemed at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, for the brothers to to cause that much pain, but still appeal to their brother at the end of the story and not just be you know beaten and thrown into a pit. Mm -hmm. Could have happened. They they were they were restored. They were you know. I don't be afraid. Basically, as Joseph, Joseph says right. it twice to them in the in the scripture that we read on Sunday, Joseph says twice to them to not be afraid that he's not in the place of God and that he will take care of his brothers in a way that they don't deserve. You mm-hmm. know, and so what? And it all stems from this idea of them intending evil and God working for good in the midst of it, and working in them if working for good in the person of Joseph and how that inspires, that should inspire us um, to that same level of grace and graciousness.
1: Right. Well, and just the how long, I mean, the, he was thrown in prison, he was sold, he all of these different things, and for him to keep his faith through that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And still in the end, I mean, just, yeah. Keep his faith through that whole thing. In spite, I mean, it's just like you said with Job or with any of these other um, examples that we have. Through all of the crappiness, mm-hmm. they still believe. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and that was kind of the the unintended hidden gem of this sermon series is the way that it kind of has built upon each other. Like we have to understand what who God is to understand our our need for grace. And then, you know, to to pull back those layers even further to borrow from a couple of weeks ago, and even here now, mm-hmm. like, we are talking about theodicy, and just what do we do with evil and suffering and hurt and pain? And the answer is, next week, faith. And that's something that Peggy and I didn't even see coming until we were talking one day, um, and we're just like, whoa, wait a second, because this is that, and that is this, and they're from this, and yeah, you know, that's... Yeah, it's awesome. Again, the work of God in the midst of it, because mm-hmm. Peggy and are make, even as smart as we are, Peggy and I aren't smart enough for that.
1: Anything else you cut
0: while I was writing, um, and not—I don't think anything got cut from the sermon, like when I was presenting it. But while I was writing, um, I think there were a couple of more different biblical examples um, of theodicy um, that that could have been included. Theodicy is an idea that is central to the testimony of Scripture. Um, there are just so many instances where there there was evil and there was harm done but yet god took it and used it and, re- and like i said on sunday to the point of even redeeming it um you mm-hmm. know like the life of Elisha the prophet like well actually the lives of a lot of the prophets but Elisha is one that comes to mind automatically for me um he was a prophet that did big and amazing things to the glory of god and was hated by everybody because he was you know he was ruffling their feathers and and calling their you know religious practices basically stupid um you know the prophets of ba- elijah is the one that brought down the prophets of baal um and then like went to jezebel the queen and said hey your god is stupid you should follow my god instead because my god's the real god and Je- you know jezebel said well i'm going to kill you and elijah's forced to flee into the desert and you know he's you know, we're just ready to give up. He you know, cried out to God and says, "I just want to be dead instead of doing this. i'm 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 out, I'm over this Just stop." And God ministered to Elijah in that. um, you know, and like through that minute through that moment of ministry, Elisha took a nap, got a snack, and then got a helper. Elijah got elisha um to come alongside of him. and then and w- then when eventually Elijah was put to death for his prophetic work, Elisha was able to carry on his work. And so like was was what he went through bad. Yes, yes it was. When you have someone threatening your life, this is not a good thing. But yet what did God do? Watch what happens next. And you know, that's the restoration. Um you know, like the de- the the death of Darius's daughter in the gospel story like is it bad that his daughter, for reasons that we're not told, dies? Yes, that's bad. But watch what happens next. Jesus then heals her. You know, the mm-hmm. death of Lazarus. Mary and Martha come to Jesus and, you know, is it bad that, that Lazarus died? Yes, that's a bad, I mean, death is mostly bad. Um, but yet, Mary is able to come to Jesus in the midst of her mourning and just kind of try and put Jesus in his place and say, Hey, if this, if you had not like taken your sweet time getting here, my brother wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have to go through this. I wouldn't have had to go through this, but yet then Jesus teaches her about the resurrection, you know, mm-hmm. you know? and, and Mary expresses a faith in that and says, I believe in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says, no, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And Lazarus, get up and walk. You know, Mm -hmm. like it led to watch what happens next. It led to, it had to have led to increased faith in both Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and everyone that was there to watch it. It also, I mean, in John's gospel is the last straw for the religious leadership of saying, okay, this guy's raising people from the dead. We've got to do something about this. You know, like even the death of Jesus himself, like it is bad that Jesus was put to death. For things that he, you know, didn't really do. Mm -hmm. But yet, God took that evil and used it for good. Because, you know, the resurrection and then salvation for, for all God's people and, you know, us being grafted into the story. Like, these are good things that happened. And, like, I think that there are so many opportunities in our own lives where we just, you know... We have to have that patience to, 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 to come to a place of understanding. And mm-hmm. there are just times where things that... I would just love to say that there's a nice, neat little package of watch what happens next for every single situation. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. There are things that happen that are unjust and that are wrong and that do suck. And they will never not suck. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of what happens next that can make it okay. And that's why we have a bigger hope in a life to come. Because there are the reality of living in a fallen and broken world is that there are things that are going to be fallen and broken. But yet we have the promise of the resurrection. We have the promise of a, of a new heaven and a new earth. We have the promise of every tear being wiped away and there being no more crying or pain or sorrow or mourning or. I think I said morning twice in that, but like we have this larger hope that's established in Jesus, you know? And so while we might be waiting for the restoration of all things, it may not happen on this side of glory. And there has to be room for that as well.
1: Nope. Well, what's next week?
0: Yeah. So next week is the last week of this, of this particular sermon series. Um, and so we're going to be digging into the nature of faith. Um, so, like, what does it mean to have faith? Um, you know, is faith an emotion? Is faith a, a a thing that we do? Like, what does it mean for us to have faith in the midst of the work of God in our lives? What we're going to be talking about is the Book of Hebrews, um, where it talks about the fact that faith is, you know, us believing in things that we cannot see. You know, and just. Mm-hmm us believing in the work of God in the midst of all things. Um, Sunday is the last Sunday before the start of the season of Lent. Um, and that's usually a Sunday that's reserved for the transfiguration story in the gospels. And um, So I might dig on that a little bit too, uh, just like, you know, the, the disciples were shown such a bigger picture of who Jesus is on the mountain. Um, and so what does it mean for us when we're shown who Jesus is? Do we have the faith to believe what Jesus is showing us and what does faith look like in mountain on mountaintop moments or when we're down in the valley. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Yeah, so that's where we're going we're going to go and wrap up this sermon series as we prepare for the season of Lent. Sounds great. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for joining us on this Cup for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person at the church, online on our Facebook live, or on the podcast next week.
0: Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.